welcome back to another episode of Chasing Labels. This is, I would say, Chasing Labels number six. Yes. Steven? Spine number so six. We're, we're still in the spine numbers where we're limited edition collector's <laughs> editions at this point. Um, but this episode is going to be a bit of an addendum to our most recent episode, episode five, or spine number five, as Steven likes to say, because a bunch of movies, uh, releases dropped that we thought were going to drop in time for our previous episode, but instead they, they dropped like two to three days later. So that just seems to be the tale of the tape, and that's the way things go. But I am one of your co-hosts, Andrew Cabral, with and with always my friend, Stephen Billings. Hello. Can it, uh, yeah, Criterion Indicator, they're here now, and we are here to devour them on this episode and uh, get you excited. Yeah, Criterion is kind of our... I don't know, bread and butter, our main love. Yeah, cra- it's not the end. Even all, in, even all, in, it's, even indicator for me now. I, I feel like I've become a pretty big fan of indicator, and yes, they're kind Steven's of becoming parallel for me. Yeah, and both of those dropped uh, within a timely manner. Well, uh, Criterion was about two days after our previous episode, and then uh, I think Indicator was what like dropped like the following Thursday. Basically. Yeah, yeah, so, a few more days after that. Indicator. So they were yeah. all just kind of in in tandem with one another. So we thought we would drop kind of a mid a mid time frame episode about those releases, so we don't have to you know kind of miss out on the hype by the time well, we the get hype, to our next and then episode. also you know we expect more releases to happen next week, so we don't want to have a a huge burden of an episode to pop, be piled on us uh, for you know because yeah. I think Arrow is probably going to come out with their releases maybe ne- by the next episode and. That would be just so much. I don't want to do that. Yeah, and as we all know, Kino's dropping new stuff every day. They've <laughs> dropped a bunch of stuff within the week of from the previous episode. So yeah. there's going to be tons of that stuff. There's going to be Warner Archive releases that are hopefully will be official releases very, very soon. I don't know what's going on with them when it comes to their social media stuff, but it seems like everybody seems to know what's going on there except for them. Yeah. <laughs> but who knows? Uh, but Steven, do you want to get into it right away? Because you, you want to talk about... Uh, Eureka releases, right? I do, but uh, before we get into release stuff, um, I just wanted to give a couple little uh, announcements um, about the podcast. We are, you know, we are getting a lot of good, uh, good listening uh, going on. A lot of people um, downloading, and and, li- and we appreciate that, guys. Keep spreading the word, you know. Please and g- please give us some of your interactions. Uh, let us know how we're doing, how we can improve the show. Um, and if you're interested in guesting, you know, we, I, I'm taking, taking numbers here. You know, I, anybody that's interested in wanting to, wanting, wanting to speak their mind about physical media, I would love to have you on. Um, but we, we got you know, with, you know, expanding the podcast, we're trying to make it more available and more uh, accessible for everybody. So um, I've gotten a couple of requests to um, a couple other platforms. I'm going to try to submit it to Spotify and also submit it to uh, Stitcher. Um, so... There were two other platforms. If there's any other platforms that anybody thinks I should should uh, submit to, let me know, please. And um, the other thing is, is I want to make sure that there's like a, a central place that it's easy for everybody to listen to the podcast, just in case um, one of these platforms isn't uh, working for you. Um, so we're going to be creating a podcast website uh, that will have all our episodes on it, and uh, you'll be able to stream from the site if you have to. So that's what's in the works right now, um, and. We got some other things going on, but I'm not at the liberty to talk about them yet. So, but with that said, yeah, let's get into some release stuff. Um, Eureka, uh, Eureka just dropped their slate. They got three more films they're gonna throw at us, and starting with the first one we got here, we have the John Frankenheimer film, Prophecy, um, from 1979. Um, I don't know if you've seen this one, uh, Andrew. I have not, um, but Stephen, I think you have. Yes, I have. Um, it, it stars uh, Robert Foxworth and Talia Shire from uh, Rocky fame. Um, and basically this is a movie kind of about, uh, you know, the environment fighting back, which is kind of an, a, a type of film I love. Um, these kind of like, uh, you know, animal attack slash environmental um, kind of creature feature movies. And basically, you have um, this lumber company that is kind of trying to push out the native population, 
and they want to, you know, cut down a forest and, you know, the native po population is trying to keep them from doing that. So um, the lumber company hires these couple, um, you know, environmental kind of activist type of people to go out. And uh, I, I think just Robert Foxworth's character is the environment. His, his wife is played by Talia Shire. So she comes along with him and he's supposed to go out there and evaluate the situation and, and give his, you know, recommendation. And while he's out there, come to find out there's this like mutant bear creature that has been created by apparently the waste from the lumber company and it's you know, killing everybody. So um, it's it's kind of an odd movie from John Frankenheimer when you think about – I mean, yeah, he's done some kind of like – more B B movies, in it, but he's also the guy that did like uh, what birds from Alcatraz and yeah. You know, I was I was gonna say it sounds odd, but it almost doesn't because it feels like it's a very you know the backbone of the movie is like a political message with yeah. like environmentalism and stuff like that. And if you know John Frankenheimer, the guy basically uh, loves to do you know political based movies, yeah, uh, specifically and the Manchurian Candidate, yeah, oh yeah. Still, is one of his best. He also did The Train with uh, Burt Lancaster, Grand Prix. Seconds. Um, like you said, Birdman of Alcatraz, also with Burt Lancaster. Um, yeah, he he's, he's one of my favorites. I still think Ronin is one of the best, probably, action movies of the 90s. And that's one of his later... Still has the best car chase. And it's one of his later films. You know? Yes, yeah. one of his later films. He did pass away in 2002, I believe. Yeah. But... Yeah, I, I'm always up for more John Frankenheimer. Yeah, I think um, th I think this previously had an, uh, um, a release from Shout Factory. Um, okay. So that's your U.S. kind of version. I'm sure like whatever kind of slipcover that went with that Shout Factory release is probably completely gone by now. Um, oh, of course. Um, but with this one, you do get this new Eureka, which is uh, a Regent B, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's going to have a 1080p uh, presentation. Um, it's got a new feature length audio commentary by Richard Harlan Smith. You got a new feature length audio commentary from writer Lee Gambin and Emma Westwood. And you also have new interviews with screenwriter David, uh, Sel uh, Sel I can't speak, Seltzer, <laughs> uh, if that's how you say his last name. And that's what it looks like. Yeah. And a new interview with uh, meme artist Tom McLaurin, a meme artist. Hmm. I think it says mime artist. Mime artist. You're right. Tom McLaughlin. Interesting. And then uh, that theatrical trailer that we need, and then uh, it's limited to 2,000 copies. Um, so this does come with a slipcover and whatnot. So um, does this some sound like something you might want to get? Yeah, either this or the U.S. release is from Shout Factory. Um, it looks like I'm, – I'm just curious if, there, if there's um, – what the special features look like. If they're different or the same, I don't really know. Yeah, I'll have to do a uh, comparison later. You'd have to do a side-by-side -side comparison. Usually there's it, a little bit of a difference. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing with Eureka, though, is you do get, you know, exclusive stuff. It looks like um, the audio commentary with with Richard Harlan Smith is new. Another audio commentary that you mentioned is also new. The interview is new. And the other interview is new. And you do get the limited edition collector's book featuring writing and stuff yeah which is also you know exclusive to them so it's it's one of those where like if if you want everything i guess you're gonna have to get both releases but <laughs> that's who, how it always is really you gotta make that. a choice and yeah so typically true. it comes down I, to if you have a region free player or not and uh, a lot of people yes, you know forgot about that. this is an american film so i i would assume um maybe a lot more of the maybe there is some more special features on that disc versus the uk maybe yeah, I think Possibly. they're just different. But I'll tell you this though: the cover art for the Eureka one is much better than I think yeah. the cover art for um, the U.S. release, which I think is just like I th the poster, like Basically, the theatrical yeah. poster or something like that, which is fine. I mean, I don't mind that, but that just uh, the the prophecy, the poster for Eureka, the cover art for Eureka looks amazing. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, the second film we got here uh, is actually a collection of films. Um, they're putting out, looks like maybe they're starting a series of releases uh, called Early Universal. Um, and this is their volume one. Um, this is their spy number 250 through 252. Um, this is from directors from ranging from 1926 to 1929, the silent era. Um, and this has got three films from that era. Uh, one called uh, Skinnier's Dress Suit. Um, 
the Shield of Honor, and the Shakedown. Um, I'm not familiar with these films, but um, I, it's you know this era is kind of hard to see everything. So, <laughs> Do you- yeah, I'm gonna say I don't know how widely these have been available before because they are from the silent era, and those movies are most of that era is typically lost. But this is part of their Masters of Cinema series. Yeah. Which I think is not is that, is that, is that that's why it's numbered, and it's kind of cool that each movie gets its own number and not just the box itself. Yeah. Um. The but you do want to mention that the shakedown is directed by William Wyler, who many people will probably be super familiar with because oh, yeah. he's a massive name. Uh, he directed like, oh man, what didn't he direct? <laughs> uh, uh, best years of our little, lives. Yeah, best years of our lives. Ben Hur. Uh, um. Uh, what's the, the Roman uh, holiday? Yeah, the what's, big country? What's the war movie? Uh, um, Mrs. Uh, Miniver, Mrs. Miniver. Oh yeah, was that him as well? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I have to look that up. Uh, but yeah, so he got his start in the silent era, and I actually haven't seen any of his silent movies. Yeah, so I haven't either. That, yeah. that in and of it, that movie in and of itself makes me interested in this box set. Yeah, that, that's um, that's what a lot of these these uh, a lot of. A lot of labels do that sometimes. They'll have some really unknown stuff, but then they'll have that one movie in there. Um, it makes me think of the uh, recent in-print um, film noir set. Um, I wasn't very familiar with much of it, but then they had the one movie in there directed by William Wyler, the de- the detective story. Ah. And I was like, God damn it. I got to get it now. got to get it because it's a William Wyler <laughs> film. Jesus. <laughs> so they it. did it again with William Wyler here in this Eureka release, so... Um, I might have to get it, <laughs> but, um, nice. And I'm always down for more silent films. I, I'm glad that they're getting more Blu-rays that's kind of slowly coming out when it comes to the silent era. Yeah. But I think we need more of it just for preservation sake, to yeah. be honest with you, because these movies are really, really old, obviously. It's not, it's not saying it here, but I'm wondering if all these have been rescored because as we, as we've talked about before, um, a lot of these silent films, you don't you can't find the audio tracks for them. Um, yeah. Well, the special features kind of go into that. Does it I know it says who who has scored them. Um but I don't know yeah, if that's yeah. I don't think those are the original yeah. scores at all. I think they're either repurposed or redone or the or new scores. Um but it looks like these all got restorations by Universal Pictures. Yeah. Surprisingly enough, um the Shakedown was restored in 4K, and Shield of Honor was restored in 2K. Um, oh, oh, Skinner's dress suit was also restored in 4K. I don't know why they didn't go the extra mile for the Shield <laughs> of Honor, but maybe the elements weren't as bad as yeah, the other ones, yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah, but it looks like the Skinner's dress suit is going to be a score by Leo Bur- Burenberg. Yep. The Shield of Honor by a score by Alex Kovacs. Now, that, for some reason, that name sounds familiar. And the Shakedown score by Michael Gatt. Audio commentary tracks on all three features. They don't tell you who, but that's kind of interesting. And then, collection of additional materials from the early era of Universal Pictures with complementary analysis by silent film experts and historians. A collector's booklet featuring new writing on the films included in the set. They're very, uh, they're very cryptic about who's, who's <laughs> doing the special features on here. It's like, tell me who these uh, experts are. Yeah, and the well, historians. Maybe, maybe the they're still maybe they're still working on it, but they know it's going to get done. So that's that's probably true. Yeah, didn't even think of that. But um, yeah, I'm I'm interested in this just uh just because that you know that era of cinema is always kind of uncovering more, and uh, it's still you know ripe for discovery, I guess. So let's I'm I might pick this up. So. All right, and the last one, and one, I, I'm, I guess this is the hardest one to talk about because I really, really ain't familiar with this, um, but this one's called Running Against the Wind, and it's a relatively new film, uh, looks like from Ethiopia, from uh, 2019, and uh, it's from a director named Jane Philip uh, Weil, Well, um, and it's about two Ethiopian uh, men, young men, are racing to make their dreams come true. Um Two 12-year-old boys grow up together in a remote village until a single photo changes their lives forever. Um, I won't go. I won't read that whole paragraph. Yeah, but, yeah it's pretty but, descriptive. Uh, but yeah, it, it looks like it's maybe like a coming-of-age story of sorts. Um, right. It doesn't have much in the sense of special features. Yeah, bare bones. Yeah. Pretty bare bones. 
it just has a 1080p uh, presentation and you know English subtitles and and there's nothing there's nothing it's limited to a thousand they copies. got a booklet yeah so but um wow. yeah we can't really say anything about this this is very unknown to us um but it's out there and maybe it's something you'll be interested in if you'd like to expand into other cultures uh if you're into that stuff which you should be um but that's it for Eureka um on their announcements and now we're going to move on to Criterion Collection Andrew here we go take us away here we go these are the August releases August of 2021 for those of you listening to this in the future and we have a list of four movies which seems a little short we usually get a couple of more releases um but perhaps they're going to be dropping a box set announcement soon. There's Who been knows? some rumors. Uh, what was some rumors. What was the rumor you heard? I heard uh, a Melvin Van Peebles box set. Yeah. Um, not out of the realm of possibilities. Kind of, uh, kind of a, a collection of his films from like 60, 60s and 70s and 80s, kind of in that era. Okay. Um, I don't know even. I don't remember where I even heard that. It may have been in one of the groups. I think the Criterion uh, group have been just might me. have. Somebody in the Criterion yeah, may, group might have put that. It down. may have been me scrolling at. Four or five a.m. and not knowing what the heck's going on. Yeah, those are, those are what we call the uh, the surreal hours. Yeah, David I was going to say hours. that's the David Lynch hours. <laughs> <laughs> that's David Lynch hours. <laughs> but, but we do have a group of uh, four films here. First up here is Stephen should probably be talking about this film, and this is Afterlife mm. by uh, Hirokazu Koreeda. And of course, Stephen's super happy about this because he just wants more of these movies yeah, well, in the collection or just available in general here. If you go back a couple epi- a couple episodes ago, you'll know that this is in my uh, my uh, fantasy label that I created as my number one uh, title release. So, I mean, yes, I, I, I'm a little upset it. that Criterion stole the licensing from me. I'm pretty sure oh, yeah, I, had that, I right thought I had too. that in the bag, but I guess not. Um, but, yes, I'm, I'm super happy. I already pre-ordered this. And to be honest, I don't typically pre-order Criterions because – they're usually around for a while, so I don't feel the need to grab them before anybody else does. Um, yeah, t- yeah, they're not typically limited. I, if they are limited, I don't. No one really knows what the number is, yeah. other than people working there. But yeah, this is uh, Hirokazu Kureda's film from 1998. Um, it's in the one six six to one aspect ratio, which is kind of always interesting. Uh, but it has a new 2K restoration approved by writer-director Hirokazu Koreeda with uncompressed Monoro soundtrack on the Blu-ray, audio commentary audio commentary featuring film scholar Linda Ehrlich, new interview with Koreeda, stills photographer-cinematographer um, Masayoshi Sukida, and cinematographer Yutaka Yamazaki. Uh, has deleted scenes, a trailer, and then plus an essay by novelist Viet Thanh uh, when I think I think it's highest. That's yeah. That. You know I can't. Help um, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. New cover featuring uh, photography by Masaya, Mas, Masayoshi Sakita, designed by Eric Skillman. So, so this is a film you've seen before, Stephen. Yes, I love this movie. Do you own it in a different version? Or yeah, you just have seen I, it? I have. I think it's a Japanese release that I have. Okay. Um. So, I mean, it's it's perfectly fine. It's a, it, it's a perfectly fine release, but. This is going to have a new restoration, so I'm sure it's going to be a little bit more, a little bit sharper looking image. Um, mm. But yeah, this is a film I love. Uh, Corietta is kind of a filmmaker I um, have grown to really love over the last couple years. Um, he's a lot of times compared to like Ozu, you know, type of filmmaker that's very much kind of meditative, typically surrounds his films around families, unconventional families. And um, this movie kind of deals with, I think, a little bit, a little bit of that, and also a little bit of like, kind of the crossing of lines between, you know, life and the power of cinema. You know, the power of movies. And um, mm-hmm. I don't want to give too much. I, I mean, I talked about it on a couple episodes ago, but very much the movie right. is about literally going into the afterlife and how, um, you know whoever's the people in the afterlife that, that you meet are there to help you create the lasting memory that you'll have for the rest of your afterlife. Um, mm-hmm. And they do that with filmmaking. They literally put together the scene that you're going to see in your, in the rest of your life and, and they try to film it for you so that you can have it. And it's, it's, it's a very 
a very kind of wondrous movie. I love it. It does sound very intriguing. I'm telling you, man. To I, say the least. I think you're going to love this I want movie it. when you finally watch it. Yeah, I it. want it. De- too bad it's not coming out during the the Barnes & Noble sale, because that would be high up on my list. Yeah. Um, but this is not the first time Coriata has been in the collection. Still Walking, yes. which is actually, I think, no, I've seen two of Coriata's films. I've seen Still Walking and Shoplifters. So Still Walking is part of the collection. I still need to get it. Yeah. I still need to get it. To get it. Um, but that movie is, is fantastic. I feel like well. Shoplifters needs to be the next one coming into the collection. Cause... Shoplifters needs a Blu-ray release yeah, in here in yeah. general. I don't know what the heck's going on. Yeah, <laughs> it needs ridiculous. to be in, on the collection, in the collection, yeah. But um, well, moving on. Uh, next up is a documentary by the great documentarian D. A. Pennebaker, and this is the original original cast album, uh, quote company, and and this is a um, for those of you who don't know who D. A. Pennebaker is, he's got several films in the collection. Yeah, uh, he's got. Uh, the Bob Dylan documentary, Don't Look Now, uh, The Complete Monterey Pop, all that stuff is him, uh, The Town Bloody Hall, and The War Room, which I've actually, I actually have seen, um, is all part of the collection. But he's a you know famous documentarian. And this film is actually really, really short. This film yeah. is only 53 minutes long. Um, and it, But Stephen, you have seen it. Yes. Yeah, it's it, um, it's a great doc. It, it's a, you could almost say like it's a great little like special. Fe- it could almost be just a special feature, but right. it's it's it really is. Um, it really takes you into the creative process and the 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 massive talent of the people that are behind these things. Basically, this whole movie is like typically with a Broadway production. A lot of times they'll do like a recording session to get it in its pristine kid condition with their original cast members and this happens apparently like the sunday after the opening night i guess that was on a friday um so like right after something's premiered they go into the studio and try to get this laid down in its best condition now of course this was 1970 so recording equipment was a lot different back then than it was now where you can pro tools the shit out of it and like (laughs) you know like and you can like really get in there and like you don't have to like redo something from the beginning every time um like everything's on like tape and you gotta cut thing it's not as easy you gotta most of the time you want to get it all done in one take and you want to yeah you know especially theater yeah i mean you're usually dealing with you know it's all it's all stagey even musicals you know everything is just in you know, on a stage, yeah. there's not a lot of. I mean, t- today, if you've seen like Hamilton, of course they have multiple camera setups and d- editing and all that kind of stuff to make it a little more, you know, movie type, so that when you're watching it at home or whatever, you know, you feel like you're watching more of a movie than a stage play. But yeah, this is fascinating. Um, and even though the movie's only the, or the documentary is only 53 minutes long, there is a wealth of special features on here. So let me go into all this. So there's a new um, restored 4K digital transfer supervised by Chris uh, Hegedus and Nate Pennebaker with uncompressed monorail soundtrack on Blu-ray. New audio commentary by composer lyricist Stephen Sondheim. Uh, Audio commentary from 2001 featuring director D.A. Pennebaker, actor Elaine Stritch, and Broadway producer Harold Prince. New conversation among Sondheim orchestrator Jonathan Tunick and critic Frank Rich. A new interview with Tunick on the art of orchestrating, conducted by author Ted uh, Chapin. Chapin? Um, Never before heard audio excerpts from interviews with Stritch and Prince, conducted by D.A. Pennebaker and Hegedus, or Hegedus? I don't know. Anywho, that happened in 2000. Uh, original cast album, co- uh, quote-unquote co-op, a 2019 episode of the TV series Documentary Now that parodies the film. Uh, that's very interesting. Uh, reunion of the cast and crew of, of original cast album, co-op, recorded in 2020, featuring director Alexander Buono, uh, writer-actor John Mullaney, actors uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry, uh, Richard Kind, Alex Brightman, and Paula Pell, and composer Eli Bolins. I guess it's a like the cast of that dire- uh, documentary now episode. Feels like it's them talking about. Hmm. Um, yeah, it feels like it's them talking about 
I guess, them doing that parody or something like yeah. that. Um, and then, of course, there's English subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing, plus an essay by author Mark Harris. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot on here. Apparently, this is obviously well-known. If, there, if, there, if there's a parody of something, yeah. uh, something that you're parodying must be at least well-known for people to understand yeah. it. It's um, um, it, it's a movie. It Watching it, it really did t- – I mean, I'm not, like, nearly as – I wasn't as deep into, like – I never was a theater person um, I was a chorus guy. Uh, I was in the chorus. So some of this, and I've been in studio sessions and stuff like that, kind of hit me in the you know in home because I, I re- I've been in sessions and it's been hard to do something. I've had to re- keep doing retakes and it can become very tiring, you know. And you see that in this film a, a few times where they're trying to they're trying to hit something and they're also trying to of course get the emotionality um, that you're tr- you're trying to capture the emotionality you would do. When you're doing the play, you're doing it on stage, and it's hard to sometimes do that when you've been in a studio for hours upon hours, uh, middle mm. of the night. You know, like it's it's, and you, sometimes you got to come back to it later. Um, but it's great watching the watching some of these people do this, and there's it's like they're still doing the play on stage. That's how they can get to that point. They're like being very animated while they're recording the the songs, and it's it's great. It's very very uh, entertaining and very uh, you know just to see the talent that's involved in there it's it's great so nice so moving on now to the next release and this is ashes and diamonds by andre vida um and i actually this is part of his uh war film yeah the final film is celebrating war trilogy so this is the last film in that trilogy they're kind of a loosely connected trilogy they both they all take place during World War II, during the German occupation of Poland, because he's a, he's a Polish director. And I think a lot of his films throughout his career were dealing with a, like Polish culture and, and identity of the Polish people and all kinds of stuff like that. But these films all take place during that obviously very uh, traumatic time period, if you will. And I decided to prepare for this episode by watching all of these movies back to back to back. Yeah. And it is quite harrowing. <laughs> and these movies are very, they're like dark, cold, depressing, uh, heavy movies. And this is the last one in this trilogy. And it's, it, and it's fantastic. They're all really fantastic movies. And I'm, I've always um, heard of this director, but I didn't watch any of his stuff until now. So that was a great discovery for me. So... This film, like I said, takes place during the German occupation of World War II, but this takes place at the very end of the war. It's actually like the last day of the war. Like, there's a scene in this film where there's a radio announcement and um, Germany has surrendered. Like, it's like that, like that day. And this film kind of, this film follows these two people who are assassins, basically. And they're basically... Uh, like contracted or they're told that they have to kill this kind of communist um, like political leader type guy who is in he's in Warsaw and basically it's them it all takes place in one night and it's just them like traversing that decision whether to do it or not getting orders and it's them like kind of dealing with you know moral crises of, of the times but it also has the backdrop of this like political fate of the nation of Poland, like will it continue to be democratic? Will it fall into the communist hands because because Russia has you know kind of like taken over Poland now? And it's a really really fascinating fascinating film, and it's gorgeously well shot. Just wonderful black and white. Uh, this film came out in 1958, I believe. So we're talking like. 13 years after the after the war those old those wounds are still there and what i love about the just these films in general is they look so lived in they look real like you're in the rubble you're in the grime you're in the dirt in these movies and just feels real and this film uh definitely has that has that in it and it's it's a really great film but that's kind of the film in general um the this film you can you can watch online if you want to, or you can just wait for this release. I kind of wish they would have released all three of them together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kinda I, I, your, your description of this film makes me really want to watch it. Um, and it does look like if you don't have a Criterion 
um, channel subscription. It also is on HBO Max, apparently. Okay. So okay. if you have one of them, you can you can watch it there streaming right now. Um, or like you said, just wait for this release. It sounds great. Um, and I like, uh, you know, it, it kind of made me think about um, what was the recent film? Cold War. Um, okay. You know, wartime, it, it happened, the film takes place at the end of the war, right? Isn't it World War Two also? Yeah. Yeah, it does. But, but that, that one's, of course, a love story. Um, yeah, and it takes place over like a series of years. This is like one one night. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking about like the time period, and it happens oh, right okay, at the yeah. end of World War II when mm. people are kind of dis like like people are like disbanded from where they don't know where to go, and they're like you know these two people meet and then they fall in love, and then it's about their. Of course, it's more sprawling and a little bit you know this right. is more focused on. Well, one this does time have period. a love story in it. Oh, does so it? Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, this has like one of the assassins like falls for this this uh, barmaid woman and they have like this kind of brief romantic thrill, but it makes him question like what he is doing morally it makes him question whether he wants to do it or, you know, perhaps have, you know, a happy life with, with this woman. But it's, but you know, he's torn between these two things. Yeah. Um, and it's really fantastic. The cover art for this is, yeah. is amazing as well. There's literally a moment in this movie where they, they go to like, I guess like a bombed out church and then, uh, and there's just this, cru- this crucifix hanging upside down Yeah. and it's just like, like half destroyed and the film and they're walking like behind it, but, and, and it's kind of like. You know that foreground, background shot yeah, type yeah. stuff. It's really fantastic. I tell I th- you, these movies are really great. I think the other thing too is that Cold War is also directed by a Polish filmmaker. So very true. That and was it's the other Paul Polakowski. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. So um, and it and it's yeah. in black and white. <laughs> yeah. So it, it really makes me think about that. I, like that would be a great double feature, maybe or something. Um, but yeah, yeah. But getting into the just the details about this set, uh, this set, this movie is. Um, on the Blu-ray, a new 4K restoration with uncompressed mineral soundtrack. On the DVD, there's a restored high-definition transfer. Um, but you want the Blu-ray, come on. Yeah, of course. Not messing around now. Um, audio commentary from 2004 featuring film scholar Annette Instorf. A new video essay by Instorf on the film's legacy. It's on the Blu-ray only. See, that that's more than enough to get the Blu-ray. Andre Vida on Ashes and Diamonds, the 2005 program featuring director Andre Vida, second director uh, Janusz Morgenstern, and film critic uh, Jerzy Plazuski. And then this archi- archival newsreel footage on the making of the film, rare behind the scenes only, rare behind the scenes production photos, publicity stills, and posters. Apparently, that's on the DVD only. Hmm. What are we doing here? Um, <laughs> and a new English subtitle translation, plus an essay by film scholar Paul Coates. Yeah. And yeah. And what? And this is actually. Uh, so the other two were spine number, I think, ten eighty nine and ten ninety, and this will be spine number two eighty five because it's keeping the same numbering yeah. from the DVD. So for those of you keeping track at home, so that's Ashes and Diamonds, and there's a wonderful poem in there about Ashes and Diamonds, that that leads to the title of the movie. Oh, okay. Uh, but but next, uh, the next film is um, obviously the most recent film in, in all of these we've been discussing. And this is a film that I was really surprised Yeah, that it's getting well, criterion released. Yes and no. I mean, it's like, you know, we know, we've talked about it before, Netflix has been kind of teaming with Criterion with some physical media. So Very true. Very true. Uh, but uh, Beasts of No Nation, and this is the Carrie uh, Fukunaga film from uh, what year was it? 2015. 2015. Seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> uh, and this film is this fantastic. This was one of the first, um, like Netflix. Not it wasn't an original film because I think they bought it from Sundance or some yeah. or some uh, festival. But this was one of the first films that they had put out that they had acquired, where it was like, okay, now Netflix is getting in the acquisition game of movies and. And they've, you know, they've done that ever since. Now they're a huge player. Well, it was, it was also like the first, it was like, I remember it being kind of a big deal because they, you know, it was all about the Oscars and getting into the Oscar game, like getting nominated for stuff. And people felt like this was like the first movie that really had a chance to get nominated. Like you can't, you can't say, oh, this is just a Netflix movie because technically it wasn't made by Netflix, but this isn't just a movie on streaming that, um, you know, can just be overlooked. It's too good. 
you know, so. It, it, yeah, and it, it led to the question of Netflix putting movies in the theater. Yeah. And because you need to have the movie in the theater to qualify for any type of awards, I think. And this was one of them that needed to be do, needed to do that. And they kind of do like short runs now for qualifications. Yeah. And Beasts of No Nation is fantastic. It is, um, it's a movie that, I mean, takes play. Uh, it's about uh, the life of a, like a child soldier in Africa, and just like that hardened, like horrific life that they have to lead, and just like the loss of innocence and all that kind of stuff. I remember Idris Elba's in this movie, and he's he's harsh. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. A, he's an amazing performance. He's like this ruthless commander, and he's just fantastic in this movie. But um, when it comes to the contents. Uh, there's a 2K digital master approved by director Kari Fukunaga with 5.1 surround DTS HD master audio soundtrack on the Blu-ray. New audio commentary featuring Fukunaga and first assistant director John Mallard. Uh, two new documentaries on the development and making of the film featuring interviews with Fukunaga, author Uzadinma uh, Iwaila, uh, actors Idris Elba and Abraham Atta, and producers Amy Kaufman, uh, Daniela Taplin Lundberg and Riva Marker. A new conversation between Fukunaga and producer and cultural commentator Franklin Leonard. New interview with costume designer Jenna Egan. A trailer, English subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing, English descriptive audio, plus an essay by film critic Robert Daniels, who is someone I follow on Twitter. Oh, so okay. he tried, he he had he had hinted that he was working on something, like he tweeted out like a month ago. Uh, and apparently this was what he was working on. <laughs> <laughs> so that's this movie. And I'm glad that we're, I'm glad that it's coming out because Netflix movies typically don't get physical media releases for the most part. They're starting to come out now, like Steven said, with some being put out through the Criterion Collection, like The Irishman. But for the most of, most of their stuff doesn't, doesn't come out. But their TV stuff comes out, which... Yeah. It's weird to me well, I, because like TV's some of really it meant does. for streaming now. Some of it does. You know? Yeah. Some of it does. You're right. Yeah. I mean, like I'm not seeing any, uh, was it Sex Education? Does that have a Blu-ray for the I seasons? I don't think so, no. Because I love that like show, a, but they don't. Yeah. <laughs> that's also like a BBC release, but like all the seasons of Orange and the New Black got released. Um, I, I don't even know. I don't know if BoJack Horseman got released. Maybe DVDs, but like I just, I'm just going off now. You have to reel me in, but... <laughs> Yeah, it just it, I'm glad to see that they're starting to put out, but they haven't put out like um, the Coen Brothers film that came out a few years ago. Yeah, R- Buster Scruggs needs to Buster get a re- Scruggs needs to get, I mean, definitely ruin, needs to get a release. Um, ruining my Coen Brothers section of my collection. Yeah, can, can't be complete now. I, I think you're gonna see it. It's it's <laughs> Coen Brothers movie. You got to put it in. You got it's got to have a release somewhere. Somewhere because they're they're very much proponents of shooting on film, if I'm not mistaken. So right. I'm sure they're all about physical media releases too. Um, so I, I'm, I would say it's going to come eventually. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about this. Uh, I, I've heard that this shoot, the shooting of this film was pretty rough, apparently. Um, I think some, I think maybe it was Carrie Fukunaga that actually got malaria maybe at some point. Oh, or, or maybe it was like that. the camera operator or somebody. But I think Carrie had to also jump into like the cinematography too. He had to do some of that himself. Um, but like it was apparently a very harrowing shoot. Like it was just get it going out into the jungles and it was it was rough but it shows in the in the film i mean it's been a while since i've seen it um right but i remember being really blown away by it and it being very powerful and and uh, the kid is amazing the kids you know yeah beast yeah he's really fantastic um i'm just looking up carrie fukunaga's imdb page just just to see what he's been up to or is doing well he's been in and, and out of projects i know he, yeah. he directed the re- recent uh um bond film yeah which is not out yet no time to die which yeah. is coming out i guess did they push it till next year i don't remember it's, anymore. it's i think it's end of this year November? or something maybe. yeah but uh but he did yeah. of course he he got he got well known doing the first season of true detective yeah he also did that, jane Eyre. is this his first movie oh yeah 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 um but this was kind of his big I think where people really started to take him seriously was after this movie um, mm-hmm. as a filmmaker and not just a, a TV, you know, cause yeah, true to right. is basically like many movies. Um, yeah. That whole first season is like an eight hour movie. Yeah. But um, I really like him as a filmmaker and 
Um, this is one of his. This is one of his good good works here. So I'll be uh, getting this in my collection. Definitely. Okay. And now we move on to the last one chrono- chronologically when it came to releases, and this is uh, Indicator. Yeah. Or Powerhouse. Uh, yeah, Powerhouse Films. Yes. However you like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> and well, we have four releases from them, but two we touched on last week. Yeah, well, because well they, we got, we they, got uh, more info leaked. on them now, so we can, yes. we can we'll, talk we'll, about them yeah. a little bit more. But yes, we can. We'll go, we'll go through them. Um, Corruption, we'll go ahead and talk about the two that we've already kind of talked about. Corruption. Yeah, we'll just go, go through the deets on those. Yeah, um, which is a 1968 film. This is the Peter Cushing film we talked about last week. Yeah. Um, which is about a, a doctor who's it's kind of, like I said it's kind of like eyes without a face. Um, it's right. a doctor who's got a model girlfriend who gets her face scarred. He tries to fix it, and he goes through some crazy things to try to do that. Yeah, um, goes and, down a dark path. Yeah, he does. But, things uh, we do for love. Yeah, things Mm-mm. we do for love. Um, so this is going to have a 2K restoration for the from the original negative um, for both versions of the movie. You got the. Uh, theatrical version which is 92 minutes and then you have the uh the more graphic international version which is 91 minutes um does that bother you when you see the different version shorter than the original version i'm curious what did they cut out if it's supposed to be more graphic maybe they cut out some of the (laughs) go-go dancing um oh my goodness imagine yeah imagine this imagine uh peter cushing in a hippie's like club party scene with a yeah. bunch of young people yeah and he, he sticks out like a sore thumb yeah. he's like why is my grandfather here you know like <laughs> oh that's my that's my husband what dude he's at least 20 to 30 years older than everybody in that scene yeah. <laughs> but um so yeah i mean i'll be definitely i've seen i guess i've seen the original theatrical version i'm, I'm assuming I, so, I think that's the one i saw too yeah so i i can't wait to watch the graphic version um so you got uh, original mono audio. You got audio commentary from Peter Cushing with uh, biographer David Miller and English Gothic author Jonathan Rigby from 2013. Um, you got the BEHP interview with Peter Newbrook from 1995, career-spanning audio interview with producers and cameraman made as part of the British Entertainment History Project featuring Newbrook in a conversation with Alan Lawson and Roy Fowler. We have The Guardian Lecture with P- uh, Peter Cushing, Cushing from 1986, uh, audio recording of an interview with the legendary actor recorded by the National Film Theatre of London. Uh, you have the interview with actor Philip McCunnan uh, from 2021, you have Billy Murray, which when I first saw this, I thought it said just Bill Murray, and I thought, <laughs> so I was like, Bill, why is Bill Murray getting interviewed for this movie? Um, I don't know. Just put it on there. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, there should just be a Bill Murray like commentary on every movie. Um, but uh, interview with Billy Murray from 2012. You have uh, interview with actor Jane Waters from 2012. You have what happened to Wendy Vernals from. 2013 an interview with english actor uh stephen laws introduce corruption from 2021 appreciation by the acclaimed horror author you have the unkindest cuts from 2021 a critic and writer michael brook of the history of surgical horror that sounds cool um this one is cool edgar wright trailer commentary from 2013 hmm wonder when he Mm. I, i wonder if that's like already online somewhere um it's a short critical appreciation. Then you got the the UK trailer, the US trailer, TV spots, radio spots, image gallery, uh, directing shooting gallery. Uh, you have the new and improved English subtitles for deaf and hard of hearing. You have limited edition 80, 80 page book with Damn. essays by Laura Main, archival art articles and interviews, and an overall uh, t- contemporary critical responses and film credits. Limited edition. Uh, exclusive rep- uh, replicas of production stills, and you have a UK home video release. I guess that's the premiere, limited to five thousand copies, which is kind of oh. low for more. Is that low for more recent ones? Because a lot of times they'll be like, I've seen but like I've seen like six thousand, and then it, it's so seen, popular that it goes up to ten thousand. <laughs> yeah, I've seen six thousand for the box sets, but I have my copy of Road Games next to me, and it says five thousand. Is it? Yeah. That's yeah, interesting. I have, number, I have number 1783 or 1783 out of 5000. Hmm. It's you know, you'd think the movie like box sets have more than one movie. 
you'd think they would be even more limited the one that's just one movie um you'd think yeah you know yeah um, but i guess it, a lot of times they they decide to add more if it's really popular so this being a peter cushing film um i think there's a possibility this could go fast uh, for people that are like hammer, I mean, this isn't a hammer horror movie, but this isn't a hammer film, but but, but it, it is feels like one, <laughs> it, it does kind of play like one. Um, so but this is region B, so you know, be ready for that. Is that a yeah, it's region, yeah, region. A lot of their stuff right now is region B. Um, I haven't seen an old region release from them in a while. I just, I don't know if just the stuff they're getting is because they've expanded so much is more, you know, the licensing is more like. Um, people have access to it more, yeah. more so. What am I trying to say here? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm trying to say. Basically, like, I guess some maybe their earlier releases when it came to licensing, it was easier access. Maybe. Or yeah. it was more wide open in terms of availability as opposed to some of these movies are more specific. So yeah. you're, you're only getting access to Region B. But for those of you out there who don't have region free players i highly recommend getting one because it's worth it for these releases alone to be honest with you yeah you, you it really you, is worth you it. hear us talk about these and you get all excited you better decide that you know now to, to, to go because to, it happens yeah. to a lot of people they hear about people getting excited about these movies and they can't watch them because they they can't you know play them oh i saw this the yeah. other day where someone tweeted out where someone like it was it was someone who's like us, you know, a collector, yeah. you know, anywho, where like one of their one of their non collecting not you know people you know, we call them normies around here. Okay. But, <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some people who aren't in the game, I guess. <laughs> um, they, they. Uh, I don't say they, that uh, by the way. That's something. Yeah, Andrew, no, no, this, is, this is just me. Uh, but uh, I say that in jest, of course. Yeah, yeah. But like someone who's not aware of region uh, locking and stuff like that bought an edition of a movie that they couldn't play because yeah. it was, you know, region two or region B. And it's like, if you don't know that you kind of, you know, you can kind of screw yourself. If you, yeah. Especially if you pay a lot of money, but to be honest, region free players are not as expensive as they used to be. You can get one now for the same price you would buy a Blu-ray player for like a yeah. hundred bucks. You could probably get one for, Yeah. I mean, Blu-ray players are now much cheaper, but like hundred bucks seems to be an average. Yeah. From what I've heard. Oh, yeah. um, not like when I bought one ten years ago for three hundred dollars, and That's rough. it's it's gigantic and clunky, and there's not there's no menu screen for it. It's just like put the disc in and it plays. Yeah, and you it can, sounds you like can a, get like an LG, like a, plane. a region free LG player that's like a little small little thing for like a yeah. hundred and twenty bucks, and like it yeah. works great. You know, and it works. Like, and usually they just modify like players that you that they sell in stores. Yeah, that seems to, there's no special like model that you need to buy. Um, but anyway, that's yeah. just region, region locking. Uh, so next Steven. Yeah, we got the, um, the other one that was leaked from last time, um, was the people next door. Um, we had Putney Swope, which was also hinted at, but I got, uh, obviously that's oh, for later. Yeah. That's for later down the line, apparently. Cause it didn't come out for right. August. Um, completely forgot about that. Yeah. But, mm. um, we have the people next door that's getting released. Um, these are all coming out on August sixteenth, by the way. Uh, this is directed by David Green from nineteen seventy. Um, so we're going to get a f- new four K restoration from the original negative, um, uh, original auto, uh, original mono auto audio uh, audio commentary with actor uh, Ritania uh, Alda. And film historian Lee Gambin from 2021. You got Vic Pratt and David Green from 2021, an appreciation of the film, British filmmaker's uh, eclectic career. You have the original theatrical trailer, image gallery, uh, new and improved English subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing. You get a limited edition book booklet with essays from Peter Tungnet and overall reception of the con- controversial TV play on which the film is based on, an archival interview with star Eli Wallach, a, a look at the film's soundtrack album, and an overall con- uh, contemporary critical response and full film credits. This is the UK Blu-ray premiere, and it's uh, limited to 3,000 copies, region B locked. Um, and as we oh. said last time, this is getting a Scorpion releasing, which is a region A, I'm pretty sure, so... You can take your pick there. Um, yes, you can. And, um, but you know, I'm a fan of Indicator. You know, they're the ones I kind of always lean lean on because I appreciate all the the extra care they usually put into all their releases. 
Um, so, I, I mean, I bought the bundle. This is going to be coming to me. Um, anything, anything more on this? I really like that cover. You like the cover? I really yeah. like the cover. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm digging, I'm digging it. Um, I'm, I'm sure 3,000 copies. Okay. That's what most single releases yeah. get is 3,000 copies usually. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, the next film in, in these, in this slate is, uh, one that I was really, it's not one that was really on my wait, radar, but I'm glad that it is now because, um, I, I got the chance to watch it beforehand and, and I really liked it. Um, and I think you did too. Um, I did. I watched it as well. Uh, the bingo long traveling all stars and motor Kings, um, which is a baseball film. It uh, is slash kind of like a, you know, I would say a, you know, social drama, um, starring Comedy. Billy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Billy D Williams, James Earl Jones, Richard Pryor's in it. Um, and basically you could say this is kind of like, uh, you could almost say this could be paired with uh, the Penny Marshall film, uh, League of Their Own. A League of Their Own, yeah. yeah. It's very much kind of the same formula, except this came out before A League of Their Own, um, where you got a, you know, teen, you know, this is set during the, I think, what, 19... 1930s. 30s, yeah. And this yeah. is during the Negro Leagues. Um, right. This was before era. the integration of African-American athletes into... Major League Baseball with Jackie Robinson. Yeah. In I think nineteen forty seven that happened. Yeah. Um yeah, and this is and the film is I, I really enjoyed watching it. I did too, yeah. It, um basically uh Billy D. Williams kind of like a star pitcher of one of these teams in the in this in these in these he, leagues. Yeah, he's kind of like and, uh I, apparently he's kind of like mirroring Satchel Page, yeah, the pitcher Satchel Page. from that era. Yeah. And basically uh, to get out, uh, to get out under kind of like the ruthless uh, thumb of the owners of these leagues, uh, he decides to uh, start up his own all-star traveling team, basically. Yeah. And they're gonna play whoever, wherever. And what ends up happening is they they kind of become like like this almost like performance group, if you will, like almost like a Harlem Globetrotters, yeah, if yeah, you will, definitely, where they yeah. kind of like, you know, do like tricks and gimmicks and all kind of stuff like that while traveling around kind of like uh, the Midwest and the South and just playing in wherever. And it's them trying to combat like the owners who like trying to shut them down and, but them also kind of infighting with themselves to keep the, to keep the team going um, James Earl Jones, I thought was fantastic in this movie, as well as Billy D. Williams, and this is pre-Star Wars Billy D. Williams. Yeah, as I was well. gonna say you got two Star Wars actors right before Star Wars working together. Yeah, this is nineteen seventy-six, I believe. Yep. And yeah, this is directed by John Badham, and John, I think that's how you pronounce the name, Badham. Yeah, it's B A D H A M. I'll say Badham. Yeah. And this is actually even before. He did Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, he and did Saturday Night Fever the next year. The next year, which is, I think, the film he's probably most. He did Short known Circuit, for. man. He did Short Circuit. And he did do War Games as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he also did Dracula with Frank Langella. Um, and he's still actually working today. Cool. Uh, he's doing a lot of television these days. He directed nine episodes of Supernatural, Steve There you Rufick, go. Yeah. There you go. Um, and. Yeah, he 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 had a heck of a run in the mid seventies through the eighties of yeah. like kind of like pop not pop I would say like pop culture defining movies if you will yeah like War Games Short Circuit um, you know Saturday Night Fever as well um, and then his career kind of like I guess tapered off in the nineties um, but he's still he's still working he still he just uh, seems like he shifted to the TV TV side yeah um, I think yeah by the late nineties and the two thousand more TV work he did direct Point of No Return. Which I believe is the American version of La Femme Nikita. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what I remember it being. Um, but yeah, he directed this movie right before his career kind of took off. And yeah, this is I really enjoy this. I I like this movie enough to the point where I kind of really want this release. Yeah, like you said, James <laughs> Earl Jones. It's nice when you see James Earl Jones, like young James Earl Jones, because we're so used to seeing him, like kind of like Sean yeah. Connery or kind of like some of these like actors that like Steve Martin always seems like he's old. <laughs> mm. but like James R. Jones like it's when, when you see vibrant James R. Jones he's like a powerful presence like yeah he's an amazing actor yeah he screen. really is his the eyes he's got the eyes that really yeah. like he has 
got that commanding voice, which I think, you know, he's been doing voiceover work now forever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's also done like theater work, like Broadway stuff. Yeah. Um Yeah, he was in He, he was did in, like, Fences. Origi- Didn't he do Yeah, he was in the original like Fences yeah. play, I think in the eighties. Yeah. Um he played the Denzel Washington character. Yeah. And you can actually see that clip of that on um YouTube, I'm yeah. pretty sure. But yeah, this this release does have a few, not a lot in terms of comparison to the other releases that we've just gone over, but yeah. Steven, do you want to go through this? Yeah, we got a high-definition remaster. You got original mono audio. You got audio commentary from director John Badham, which is cool, from uh, 20, uh, uh, 20, oh, I'm about to say 2020, uh, <laughs> yeah. 2007, uh, 2007, 2007. Um, you got an interview with uh, actor Billy D. Williams from uh, 2021, which is great. Nice. Uh, original theatrical trailer, John Badham trailer commentary from 2013, radio spots, image gallery, uh, new and improved English subtitles for the deaf and harder hearing, and we got the limited edition booklet with a new essay from Rebecca Nicole Williams, archival repo- uh, reports of promotional baseball match between the casts of the Bingo Long from the movie and from the Bad News Bears. Interesting. Oh, wow. We got I can't wait to see that, yeah. Um, and an archival interview with Billy D. Williams, um, uh, an overview of the contemporary critical responses and full uh, film credits. World premiere of the Blu-ray. So this is the first time on Blu-ray. First time ever. Limited to 3,000 copies, uh, region B locked. Um, so yeah, I, you know, thinking that saying that they played a game with the Bad News Bears is hilarious. And I was thinking watching this movie that it does have kind of a Bad News Bears vibe of sorts, just with adults, where it's very playful. Um, of course, you have uh, Richard Pryor in there, so he's definitely playing up a lot of comedy. He's oh, yeah, pl- a lot of comedy. He's playing a Cuban guy, first of all. I think he's pretending to be Cuban. Is he pretending to be Cuban? Or I is think he... he was pretending to be Cuban to try to pick up, uh, you know what? <laughs> pick up a woman. Well, no, 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 the... the thing is, is I, I remember you know reading into this movie a little bit, and it talked about how, well, like, how some of these players were reflecting of real people. And like I said, you know, Satchel Paige is kind of the Billy right. Williams. I think James Earl Jones is kind of... Uh, like Josh Gibson, who was a catcher um, okay. from the Negro Leagues, and this, and I think there was a player apparently uh, that was one of the f- technically one of the first African American players to make it into um, the majors. Um, mm. It was like 1905, and he pretended to be Puerto Rican, and that's who he's like okay. pretend, you know, pretending to. That's who he reflects in in real life. So, but then there's a character in the movie played by. Uh, what's his name? Um, Joffrey Siege Brown, who is kind of, I think, playing the Jackie Robinson character that at the end of this film gets hinted at going to the majors. Right. Um, and he, they even mentioned that he's going to the Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. Well, I mean, it's not a baseball podcast, but I'm just like, and like all of the early records and all that kind of stuff was pr- probably probably not truly valid because the best athletes were it were subjugated to being in these leagues yeah. and not playing in the major league baseball and whatnot and the film doesn't really go into that a lot uh in terms of but they do they do hint at a lot of kind of racial type themes and stuff like that yeah especially like you just said like towards the end like even the other players are like yeah no the white people are not going to let you play in this league and stuff like that and it but it's really fascinating movie specifically being uh set in the 1930s right like like a decade before the integration of baseball and being this kind of drama and comedy and the film is really really good like yeah. i was really surprised how great this movie is yeah it's really um, really to the point but, where i really want it yeah it's a very I'm, very kind of once again another great discovery for me um from indicator um and i like the artwork here at the front it's like they uh it's based off of i, I don't know if it's the, one of their posters but in the movie they get a like a uh, like a photograph done for flyers and this is kind of like what that is yeah um, that's what it looks like yeah. it looks like a promo like like poster or something. Yeah. Um, done in almost it you know, like that old style, almost caricature type way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really love this movie. So next one. Yes, and the last is, release from them for the month is um, kind of us returning back to uh, you know, I, I it seems like lately we've been getting a lot of releases from the. I mean, obviously the eighties and the nineties are kind of always getting recycled right now um, with releases and stuff and. 
I've been seeing a lot of this kind of genre, the uh, sex mystery thriller genre, getting a lot of releases, and this is one of them, uh, Jagged Edge. Yeah, you throw a little courtroom drama in there, too? Yeah, a little bit of the courtroom in there. Um, This stars uh, Glenn Glenn Close and Jeffrey Bridges. Jeffrey Mm. Bridges, like he's some... uh, That's his proper name. That's his proper name, but Jeff Bridges. (laughs) Um, Me and him are friends, so I just call him Jeffrey. He likes to be called Jeffrey. Um, But... This is from 1985, so this is, I think, a couple years before Glenn Close does Fatal Attraction, which is okay. you know kind of in the same vein, somewhat of this movie. Um, but as you said, uh, this is kind of like a this is kind of a noir. It's a neo noir um, erotic thriller that uh, basically Jeff Bridges, his wife gets murdered, and Glenn Close is taking on Jeff Bridges because he's of course a lot of times in these cases the husband's the one. He's the guy. Right. So they're, they're, you know, the state's deciding to go after him for the guy that killed the woman. And um, Glenn Close is deciding to take on the case. But in in, in doing that, she starts to kind of like get romantically involved with him, which, of course, is a terrible idea. Yep, that's a no-no. Uh, so I, I've seen the movie. I really – it's it's a solid movie. It's a solid, uh, like you said, courtroom drama slash thriller mystery um, it's directed by Richard McQuand. McQuand, yeah, McQuand, um, who is Ooh. probably mostly known for directing Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah, pretty yeah, much. <laughs> yeah, um, he didn't have a lot of credits in his career. He didn't do a lot. Um, did some TV early in his career, um, but for the most part, he did he did Return of the Jedi. He, he did he did do the movie uh, Eye of the Needle, which is a if I'm not mistaken, or yeah, Donald Sutherland film. Um, okay. A spy movie. I think they have a release on Twilight Time from that. Um, so maybe we'll see. I, I've heard that's pretty good. Um, but other than that, yeah, this 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 is one of his other few movies he has, and it's it's pretty solid. I I, I have you seen this? I've not. Okay. I almost watched it in leading up to this, but I decided to watch Corruption instead. Okay, okay. Because I wanted like uh, after after I had watched uh, the. Uh, Andre Vida films. I needed something completely different. Yeah, <laughs> something completely. I needed different. a more upper movie, so I watched the movie about the surgeon <laughs> that kills people for his wife. Yes. Yeah, I, I, yeah. It wasn't. I was gonna say it wasn't that big of an upper, but at least it was like stylistically different. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. But uh, um, okay, so we got a little bit here in the sense of uh, features. We got high definition remaster. We got original stereo audio. Um, we have an alternative 5.1 surround soundtrack. We got an interview with writer Joe uh, Easter Hez from I, I butchered that name from 2021. Cutting Edge 2021. An interview with editor Sean Barton. We have David uh, Hutzvel on John Barry from 2021. An appreciation of the score by the acclaimed author and mu- uh, muso- musicologist. Um, mm. We have the original theatrical trailer. We have Radio Spot Image Gallery. New and improved uh, English subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing. The limited book booklet with new essay by Mayland McDowell. Uh, extracts, uh, extracts from uh, archival interviews with director Richard Milland. Uh, a look at the making of the film. An uh, overview of the contemporary critical responses and full film credits. Uh, UK premiere of this Blu-ray. And a limited edition 3,000 copies. Regent B locked. Um is this something you may be going to pick up? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I'm actually very curious of it. Um, what is interesting is that this is Richard Marquand's second to last film because he passed away in 1987 mm. yep. at the young age of 49. Wow. Um, so that's why he doesn't have very much when it comes to um, movie credits because he really just started doing movies in the late 70s. Yeah. Before that, it's a lot of TV stuff. Um, and like, like we said, like, Return of the Jedi is probably his most acclaimed work. Um, yeah, I want to see this movie. I don't know that nineteen eighties like nineteen eighties like you know ni- like going into the nineties like sex drama you know uh, melodramas seemed to be on the rage back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just yeah. I mean, I think I think Basic Instinct came out like ninety one. Yeah. You know, so like, it was like that era, and I was trying to remember. Who was that director who just did his whole career with just all those movies? Because uh, <laughs> uh, I think he did, um, and I think he 
he didn't do Basic Instinct because that was obviously um, Paul Verhoeven. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure he did like Fatal Attraction. Um, it's what's his name? He's oh Adrian Lin. Okay. That's the guy. Yes, he did movies like Indecent Proposal, Fatal Attraction, okay. um, movies like that. Like that was his game. Like I mean, like he did the 1997 remake of Lolita. We're <laughs> <laughs> really uh, like he did nine and he a did half. A, weeks. He did it in Faithful. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, yeah, unfaithful. I mean, like this is a, this is a this is a this is a theme running here. Yeah, he seems <laughs> to have one uh, particular focus. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like erotic movies essentially. Yeah. So, Jagged Edge, solid film. I, I watched it on um, Paramount Plus. It's on there. Oh. So, yeah, if you really want to check it out before you buy it, it's on there. If you have it, so. Um, well, that's it. That's that day. That's the end of our uh, our release slate for this week. Um, anything else you want to add before we we close it out? Uh no, no. It was. It's. I'm glad we did this episode because it's a a ton of releases that we we would have had to add to our neck. Our, next week. You know, this next took this episode. took us a little over an hour. So just imagine this on top of whatever's going to come else. out over the next week. Yeah. Yeah. It would probably be an extra hour. Yeah. It would have been tired. Okay. Of just us going through all of everything. I probably um, would have skimped on some of this. Um, yeah, well, I, probably not these releases, but maybe, maybe some of the some other, of the ones, other that ones that are coming yeah. out. <laughs> well, awesome. Um, so where can we find you, Andrew? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cabzilla06, as well as my YouTube channel, Cabzilla Productions. And you can find me on Facebook, Stephen Billings. You can find me on Instagram at ChasingLabel16. That's where I post kind of like all the goodies I buy, all the movies I'm buying. And then you can find me on Chasing Labels at Chasing Labels on Letterboxd, which is where I uh, you can keep up with what I'm watching. Um, you can find the audio for this podcast on Podbean and Apple Podcasts. Thank you once again for listening. And hey, keep on buying them movies. I know I will. 